Before we begin, please note that this is part one of a two-part episode. The second part of the episode is coming out next week on February the 18th. However, after the episode, we'll go back to our bi-weekly schedule. We hope you enjoy. This episode of the We Are Z podcast is made possible thanks to your support. If you haven't already, check out our website at wrzpod.com, as well as follow our social media at wrzpod. If you're tuning in on Apple Podcasts and enjoyed the show, be sure to leave a five-star review and comment on what you would like to hear on the podcast. We hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the We Are Z podcast. I'm Paul Oman. And I'm Jimmy Shee. In today's podcast, we're going to talk about education. And as you might know, I am obviously from China, and I've been, I was raised in China, and I went to schools in China, and uh, my partner Paul obviously has a very, very, very unique ex- experience as well. Yeah. So for me, I grew up in California and went to both public and private schools before going to、uh, a homeschool setting, and now I'm back in a private school with Jimmy. So first, I want to give everyone a rundown of、uh, the education system that I went through. So I first to start with, kindergartners in China has three years. So it starts off、uh, when I was in when I was four years old, and it goes through until seven years old. So just that on its own is a very very unique experience at what as opposed to what students here in America has. And then I went to a public school. For six whole years,、um, it's called Sixi Xian Xiaoxue, and then I went to middle school. And for me to go to middle school, I had to take a very, very difficult test, and I had to go through an interview process, and、uh, had to make a lot of connections. And、uh, we can talk about that later on. And then after two years, I realized that the Chinese education system just wasn't quite the right fit for me. And then, of course, I ended up here in Franklin, Tennessee. Yeah, so for me, I went through a completely different、uh, education experience. I grew up in California and immediately started going to public schools through preschool and kindergarten, and then、uh, I believe about first grade was when I went to my first private school. And it wasn't much different; it was just like as a private school would be, just have smaller classes and stuff like that. And then after that private school. Private school experience. I went to another public school in second grade、um, because I moved. And then after that second grade experience, I don't recall much, but my parents said I wasn't having as great of a time, so they took me out of public school、um, while we were traveling, and I changed to homeschool, where I then homeschooled for the next three years,、um, being taught my, by my parents or by some online courses. And then eventually, I ended up in Tennessee. Where I now attend a private school with Jimmy. Well, obviously we have very, very, very different experience, and、um, I think we represent like five different types of students here. We represent Chinese public school students, Chinese private school students, American public school students, American private school students, and American homeschool students. Yeah, so, so we have a large <laughs>、uh, background in this area. What's really interesting, though, is that there are things that I didn't even know about that. There are some really unique differences between the American and Chinese forms of education. For example, Jimmy and I were talking before the podcast, and I found out something really interesting, which was that homeschool is illegal in China. Yeah, so、um, 
actually, there's a law saying you have to go to nine years of education. So in China, it's called 九年制义务教育 or in other words,、uh, nine years of obligated education. So the reason why homeschool is illegal in China is because、uh, my grandmother on my dad's side is actually homeschooled. But then that homeschool kind of turned into just no more school, but more of home. So she started actually working at the house rather than learning, you know, math or Chinese or、um, whatever. So I think that was、uh, a Chinese government's intention was to eliminate child labor, and that's why this、uh, no homeschool law kind of、uh, appeared. And not even in regards to homeschooling, but there are even more interesting aspects of Chinese education. For example, you were talking about how your teachers、um, go with you throughout most of your grade levels, right? You stick with the same teachers through like first through sixth grade. Exactly, and I think that really builds a very unique bond between teachers and students.、Um, and in my elementary school, in my classroom, there were fifty-seven students. Oh, so like a huge amount of students, like that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly, and um, and they're all lecture based, obviously. I mean, you have got no time for、uh, class projects or discussion. So,、uh, teacher was really the main player, so to speak, in a classroom setting, and that's very, very different from what I would I've experienced here in America, where it's like teacher was part of the classroom. I mean, most times, like the lesser part of the classroom. So, what's the incentive? For teachers in China to like do better, or have their class do better, is there like a financial aspect, or is it more of just like a, a pride-based thing? I think here I would really like to share a story of my、um, Chinese teacher. Her name is Miss Gan Xiaoping.、Um, she was a very, very, very reputable teacher、um, in my city, Cixi.、Um, and actually, there were three times as many students. Uh, wanted to get in her, to her class,、uh, and it was very luckily one of them that、uh, eventually got into that specific class. So one story was、um, in fifth grade. Actually, it was very very close to the final exam, and they were very very important in China. And、um, at that time, her mom, her mother passed away, and it was about a week from the final exam.、Um, legally in China, and At least in my school, you're allowed to take a week off to、um, deal with all the family incidents and everything. But instead of that, she actually、um, so she actually missed two class periods, and she came right back in the exact same date. So I think that was very, very,、um, really especially respectful as a teacher, and、um, I, I think. A lot of times, teachers take pride in their jobs because it's a very important position in our society to educate the next generation. And from what I've experienced, there are a lot of great teachers that take pride in their jobs and、um, really tr- treat students as their own children. So you've just given an example of like a really great teacher, but are there any teachers who like will get especially angry if you don't do something well, or will? Like there are some incidents where they will actually harm their students. Is that something that appears in China anymore? Sure.、Uh, I think I want to talk about two aspects of this. So the first aspect would be、um, how teachers just don't treat their jobs seriously.、Uh, one important thing to keep in mind is the teacher-parent relationship. 
in America, most of the time, it's more of um, teachers respecting parents because, I mean, that's how they get paid, right? In China, it's completely different. Um, in fact, in the uh, holiday seasons, it's uh, it's traditional for family to give out presents and usually in forms of gift cards or cash to their teachers. So their teachers will be paying more attention to their kids. Now, that's not the case for Miss Gen in my case, but um, there are a lot of teachers that do do that. And the other aspect was not every single teacher is as good as what I just talked about. So one, um, actually one teacher, she's my distant aunt and we're actually related. Um, and what she told me a f- few years back was, of course, I was already in America at the time. She said, I don't really care what my students do. Because they are not related to my salary, my position, or my future. So that's certainly an issue that we need to keep in mind. And no matter what the students or how well they perform in their class, it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect the teacher's salary at all, right? Well, uh, yeah, there's an incentive of about, I think it's $15, $20. So most teachers don't really care about that. So it doesn't really play a huge role no, in how the no. students perform, or mm-hmm. I mean how the teachers perform. Mm, right, right, right. And, and one thing you talked about was uh, physical punishment. I think that's something we need to discuss is, um, I th- do you, is it illegal for a teacher to like spank a child? Um, I think over the years, I think it is illegal to, Of course, in any sense, it is illegal to cause harm to a child. And there are some huge legal issues that um, are brought about because of that. But I think in the teaching system, especially recently, it has become a huge deal for teachers not to like discipline their students in any way that is violent. Um, Even verbal actions like you'll see in the news teachers who are like cursing out their students and then they'll get fired from their jobs. It has become this huge problem of teachers who are acting out against students who may not be the best in their class but are doing something that can be disciplined in other ways yeah so um i mean that's completely different it's like the opposite in china um and in china it's actually most parents would encourage teachers they will say things like please hit my kids please spank them so they will become more disciplined of course my parents being not one of them. I mean, I'm in a very not ordinary family household, but um, I mean, it's very normal for a kid to get uh, slapped in the face. Um, funny thing is, although my parents are always opposed to physical punishment, I have been hit physically by my teacher in the head hmm. multiple times. And what was the reason for that? So, um, well, there were many, many instances more than a dozen, but one of them being I got a multiple choice question wrong in English because I forgot the third person singular form that you have to put an S. How could you? <laughs> <laughs> of course, I learned that lesson. So, you know, yeah. never make that mistake again, right? So it was just a simple error that you just got incorrect? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I mean, it wasn't like if I ever murdered anyone, I got slapped in the face, right? <laughs> like, it was just a really small problems that um, my teachers just didn't appreciate. Um, but, I mean, there were instances where um, I remember a student, um, her name is, uh, I'm not going to say the full name, but her name is Lu. And um, she actually got spanked in front of the entire class. So that was 56 students watching her crying 
being spanked by the teacher. What was the reason behind that? Well, um, she, so she stole a, uh, I think it's a, a bottle of perfume from mm-hmm. one of her classmates. That was in fifth grade. So, yeah. I mean, she's already somewhat mature, right? And um, I think that's a problem with physical education that uh, the Ministry of Education right now is looking at in China is how uh, physical punishment can sometimes go beyond uh, necessity, right? Like in this case, that's obviously harming the student mentally. So and this is something the Chinese government is really looking at and trying to change? Absolutely. And um, my cousin, who's right now in uh, fifth grade, his teachers were um, told to not punish the children physically in any form. So that's in the teacher's handbook. And I think schools are starting picking up on how it could have a negative impact on students. So for most of these cases, were these in public Chinese schools or were these in private or both? I think it's both. Um, and actually, teachers go to both schools pretty uh, fluidly. And uh, there wasn't really like, uh, you know, public schools is like that or private schools the other way. And um, just in terms of public and private school, there were no clear line between which school is better. They're similar in class sizes. They're similar in facilities, um, except the private school costs a little bit more. It's about $4,000. But usually what the norm is, is uh, in elementary school, it's the public school is better than private school. But when you go to middle school, it's the private school usually stands out more because then they become more selective of students. It's really interesting just comparing your stories to my own personal experience, just because I've been in three different forms of education education, which is basically every different form of education I could possibly have, like Mm -hmm. um, everything that's offered. My background is really different from yours. You give examples of like teachers who would um, physically punish you if you got like one single question wrong, Mm -hmm. which I find is really interesting because growing up in the United States and going through these forms of education, it seemed more based on a reward system. What might be a throwback for some of our listeners is just like there used to be these boards in my public and private schools where it was it was divided into three sections, red, yellow and green. And depending on if you were a good student, if you were doing well in your classes and respecting both your teachers and your peers, you would be put in the green section. If you were like subpar and you weren't doing so well in class and you weren't treating your teachers how they should be treated, you'd be put in yellow. But if you were outright just disrespecting your teachers, being mean to your friends and stuff like that, you'd be put in the red section. And depending on each of these sections, it really gave you these certain rewards at the end of the week on where you'd be placed. And you could take a reward based on how you were doing in class. And Because of that, the entire class environment became based on this reward system. And it was not about like doing well academically or stuff like that. It was doing well more in a classroom setting. And I don't think in any one of these instances was any of my students ever punished, like you said in your previous stories. I don't think there was any record or history in those schools of students that were hit because they didn't do well in the class or that they didn't respect one of their teachers or peers. It's a totally different approach to education. So there were a lot of tests and quizzes in China, and um, each of them would be taken grades, actually. So when the teacher hand out those exam or exams or tests or whatever, uh, they will write your grades out of 100, 
large, very, very large on top of your exam. And then what they would do is they would ask, who got 100? And those students who got 100 would stand up. Who got a 90 and above? Those students would stand up. But then the problem became the teacher would ask, who got a below 80? Who got a below 70? And who got a below 60? And just imagine how humiliating that is to those students. And most of the time, those students who have problems getting high grades are not necessarily lazy, but rather a lot of them have learning disabilities. And that's something that the Chinese government or Chinese educational, uh, the Ministry of Education does not do a good job at, is how to treat those students with uh, disabilities correctly. For example, I have never heard extended time in my entire life. That's just not a thing. So it doesn't exist in China. There's no way to accommodate for these students who need this extra time to help focus or to help study? No, not at all. And in fact, that when I told this to my parents, what they told me is, well, if you're slow, then why do they need to accommodate you? So moving more toward the culture of the classroom, would you say these students that are performing uh, below what the average is in the classroom, are the other students accepting of this or do they even encourage the students to do better? Like what is the environment that the students are surrounded in? In terms of peers? Well, I think from my experience, most students are not acceptable of students that are uh, that don't have good grades. So in other words, if you um, don't perform very well in classrooms, you're not going to be accepted when it comes to social interactions. So this often leads to those students who have uh, worse grades, often having trouble to have friends as well because if you have bad grades um, just for from what I experienced uh, people just don't really want to be around you as much as opposed to if you are the number one student so that really creates uh, this leverage on students who have good grades and they're considered to be um, just more successful that's interesting because Looking at a comparison, throughout every form of education I've been through, whether it be homeschool, public school, private school, they all seem very accepting no matter what your GPA or your intelligence is. And I don't know if it's the way we're raised in order to like respect one another despite all of our differences, but it definitely seems like here in just the American uh, education system, and you can back me up if you think this is true too now that you've lived here for uh, a few years, it just seems like no matter what your intelligence is or what your cultural background is, it is very accepting here in the United States and very encouraging in some cases with students who maybe aren't performing as well. There are students that want to try to help. Yeah, totally. I think um, the I think what's behind uh, all this is the structural system of Chinese education. So um, just to give give everyone a little brief interview uh, intro for you to get into a college in china you have to go through a national exam called gaokao so it's called the chinese college entrance exam so it's an exam um lasting three days um testing over eight subjects and the score out of i think uh 760 is what's going to get you into colleges so they don't really care about your volunteer experiences extracurriculars leadership essay none of that the only thing is that number so if you have that number you get to go to those elite colleges so it's all purely based on score exactly so i think that's what really leads to what we talked about the cultural part um you know if grade or grades are the only thing that matters 
then why do you need to care about other things? So if you are more, if you're less successful when it comes to schooling and when it, you know, when it comes to academics, then teachers usually just leave you behind because she has other students to focus, partially due to a large class size. And more importantly, if you don't perform well, then there's no incentive for the teacher to help you to become, so to speak, a more well-rounded person. Because in this case, the only thing that matters is your grade. So that's what、um, I think、um, is a fundamental problem for the Chinese education. Now. It is very, very fair, you can say, as opposed to the,、uh, you know, all the affirmative action and all the Harvard admission scandal. But at the same time, it's also very inhumane. Just imagine how score is the only thing that determines which school you get into. And I think this ties into the major pros and cons of both of these education systems. There are a lot of different results because of how we teach in both the United States and in China. And because of those results, we expect different outcomes. So, from what I hear right now in China, it sounds more about the score. But from what I've learned through college scouting and stuff like that, and just like trying to learn more about the college experience, it's more well-rounded. It's more about your score and what you do outside of class and what you're volunteering to do. All of these parts of your life come together and form what is known as you on your application. And it seems like this American idea of what this result is is drastically different from what China's is, which is just a number in what you're saying. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think there is a superior or inferior education system.、Oh, sure. I think it's two complete different systems, and、um, one caters for one country, and the other one caters for the other one. And、um, just in this case, I think it's unfortunate, in my opinion, that. China has to use this Gaokao system.、Um, I personally do not think it's the best way for、um, a student to to fully develop their potentials. But that's the only method that the Chinese government has to ensure a fair college entrance. So, what is like a school day like in China? Is it the same for both public and private, or are they completely separate systems? Yeah, they're、um, they're very very similar from what I experienced. So I'll just give you a little brief view of what a day in a school looks like. As a first grader, I go to school at seven thirty in the morning. I have four classes in the morning. Then I have lunch. Then I have a study hall. Not not activity. Not where you can just walk around and hang out with your friends. Study hall. So it's just strict studying. Strict study Are hall. Are you supervised at all? Yes, and、okay. you will be given homework. So after that, you will have four more periods in the afternoon, and we get out of school around four thirty as a first grader.、Mm. So when I was seven years old, <laughs> now in middle school it's even worse. School usually starts around seven twenty, and for those who are in boarding school, they have to they call it pao chuan, means running laps as a morning exercise. So they have to run two laps every single morning. They get up、mm. around six forty.、Uh, To get prepared to run laps, and then the school day usually ends around nine fifty, so that's about thirteen hours of just intense、wow. brain activity. And during that period, you have I would say about twenty minutes of free time that you can、mm-hmm. use.、Um, and most students use that time to play ping pong or、mm-hmm. play basketball. But、um, I mean, just 
thinking back at it, I, I cannot imagine how I went through all this. <laughs> Is the workload in your schools, are they like really demanding? Like, will you have to stay up late at night? Or is it something that you learn to manage over time? I think um, I think it's a lot, but mm-hmm. you definitely learn to manage over time because when you have a group of people that do the same thing, you kind of um, get used to it. But I think what it really taught me was the work ethic of finishing my work. So one thing I never really struggled in America was um, I, I always have the natural instinct to finish my work. Like getting it done is almost like eating or drinking like I need to get it done I cannot go past certain time so I think the education system really taught me that work ethic I think I think is certainly valuable but um, you know whether it's worth it or not I, I really can't say but it's it definitely taught me this really important life skill that I think everyone needs to have yeah and then just to compare that to like public and private school education here in the United States I don't think I've ever been in an education system, public or private, that's ever extended past three o'clock unless we've had some kind of extracurricular. So to hear from you that your school went to 4.30 when you were just a first grader, that's kind of insane to me. Just Mm -hmm. like something that I didn't even realize. But something that's like the complete opposite of that is something that I went through for a long time uh, was homeschool. And when I was homeschooled, there wasn't like a set schedule. Like I could sleep in and I could work during the day until any point I wanted to. I could always stop early, but sometimes there would be these days where I was more interested in a certain topic and I'd want to explore it more. So, I mean, you just did not even have a schedule. Did you feel like you had a great sense of freedom in terms of exploring what you're interested in? Well, definitely. Um, Part of the thing about homeschool is that it gives you so much freedom to do what you want to do and to explore the topic areas that you're interested in. And with that comes the sense of responsibility, not only in the student, but also in the parent or the teacher, because you have to also make sure that the student is getting the education that they need, just the basics. So part of my routine was whenever I'd go throughout a day, I'd always make sure I'm learning something in math or history or science, just making sure I'm on the basics before I continue with all of the stuff I want to learn that day. So I would try and dedicate an hour or two to those topic areas before transitioning over to something else. And sometimes when I did like online homeschool activities, it was a lot more structured because these plans were laid out. But with homeschool, there is this vast array of freedom that you get to have in these different areas you get to explore. And that's kind of the whole idea behind homeschooling is it's all guided through one's interests. And that's kind of the biggest appeal about it. Now, I I think that's really great and all, but I've always heard those arguments saying how homeschool is going to keep you behind for other students that are in um, you know, actual school systems where you, they have had intense training in algebra or science or history, but you being homeschooled are, you know, not so great at those basic, um, you know, areas. Yeah. So that's one of the biggest drawbacks I found with homeschooling. And one of the reasons I pushed to go back to a formal uh, setting of education uh, and how I ended up at the private school that we're both at right now. The reason I was pushing so hard to go back to a formal system of education was because I felt like I was going to be lacking when I went back 
to school or if I went to a college setting. I didn't want to stick around in homeschool for too long. And it was all because of this fear that I wouldn't be able to catch up. And in some cases, my fear was justified. So when I went back to school in seventh grade, I mean, I was doing all right. Like I wasn't failing any of my classes. I had probably high C's and then like mid-range B's. And then later and now where I am presently, I have basically A's and then high B's if okay, I'm lacking then. in there. Yeah, right. don't, don't want to show off or all anything, right. but you know. But the thing is like homeschooling doesn't set you up for the traditional form of education. It is an indirect way of learning. It is a way to experience things and go about learning in a different way. It's not the traditional form of education that everyone expects. And that's kind of the beauty of homeschooling. And if it isn't right for you, then you probably shouldn't go that route. Like, that's why I kind of strayed away from it because I got scared I was going to get left behind. But if you can stay on like, if you can stay on task and you are going over the basics of everything, you can 100% catch up. And if in some cases, you can pass people in different topic areas just because you have all of this time available to yourself to go and explore these incredible paths and these things that people wouldn't be able to do in the normal school day. So I think homeschooling has incredible advantages, but there are large disadvantages in terms of basic learning that a lot of colleges are expecting and a lot of high schools are expecting if you're wanting to transition to one of those areas. And now the big question becomes, what is education? Like what we're looking for. If you're looking back at it, the Chinese education system really taught me work ethic and to work hard and it gave me really, really strong foundation in math um, and all other subjects that I'm just excelling in school, you know, in terms of pre-calculus and everything. And the homeschool system really gave you a lot of options in terms of what you want to learn and what you're interested in and gave the opportunity to explore them. And now we also have the American traditional public and private school system that um, kind of gives you a balance on, you it's know, all of It's more of a free form. It's like... It's not as cutthroat as I would say the Chinese system is. Mm -hmm. I would say it's more like adjusted based on um, building more ethics and character within the students and then also driving basic forms of education. But it isn't as strict, I would say, in some regards. But I think there's one similarity that uh, unites all those five forms of education. That is, they're all liberal arts education. I've never been to a class where it taught you how to plant seed in the ground or how to fix a car. But it's always telling you uh, how chemistry works, how biology works, how astronomy works, how physics works, how literature works. And I think that's really interesting is why are we learning those subjects? In the next episode, we are going to bring on a special guest who is going to help us discuss the purpose of education and how that purpose has changed over time. And that episode is coming out next week. But after that, we'll go back to our bi-weekly schedule. As always, we want to thank everyone for their support for the podcast. We are always looking to improve. So leave us a comment if you're on Apple Podcasts or fill out our form at our website, wrzpod.com, to let us know any suggestions you have. You can also contact us through our email, which is connect at wrzpod.com. Thanks for listening.